This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. And welcome to episode 59 of the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne. Thanks for tuning in. Following the return of the Championship, Leagues 1 and 2, the Premier League is now up and running. Football is well and truly back. The last episode with Jack Gordon Brown has been really well received, so thanks for that. Jack was one of the editors of the England book The Complete Record. It's still available to listen to at threelionspodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Now, I know you're an educated lot and we all like a good read. So this episode features another author, Glyn Davis. Some of you may know him. He's written a book on what it's like to follow England. With no further ado, let's crack on. I'd like to welcome to the Three Lions podcast, an England Travel Club member and now author, Glyn Davis. Hello. Hello, Russell. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, sir. Very well. Thank you for having me on. No, you're more than welcome. Thanks for, uh, for agreeing to come on. Um, you, you've written a book. It's called About the Game, The Lot. Um, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that very soon. But I say you are a, uh, you're an England Travel Club member. How long have you been, uh, how long have you been following England? Oh my God! It 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 started, uh, I guess, back in the eighties when I um, moved uh, up to London. And I've been a football fan and everything. I was trying to think what what should I start doing, and um, I decided to start going to watch England play at Wembley because uh, originally my my granddad was actually at the first ever FA Cup final at Wembley. Um, what, the White Horse final. Yeah, he was at the White Horse final, and it, he. Um, this, this, I've never met my granddad, unfortunately he passed away, but the story he always used to tell my mum was how he went, but there were so many people in there and he was such a short bloke, he couldn't get anywhere near the front, so in the whole day he only saw the ball twice when it was picked high enough in the air that he could see it, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he he was one of the, I believe it was about 300,000 that crammed into Wembley that day, um, and he was there, and you know, having had that as part of my sort of family background I sort of thought right I'd, I'd love to go and start to see England play there so started going in the 1980s um, including even things like seeing England when we played the old East Germany and there was only about 24 25,000 people turned up so um, that, that was where the passion started and um, for, for many years it just stayed with home games all the way through to uh, you know watching the games at Euro 96 and everything but then the, the bugs started to take me abroad as well after that, mate. That's when you know it's really kicked in, doesn't it? When you start like looking for flights and how to get to various places, you think, oh, I'm hooked now. Absolutely. It, it, it just, uh, the, the first time is slightly daunting, but after that, it's just, it becomes in your blood. And then you've you, got to try and get everywhere that, that you can afford to get to or that, or that you can get tickets. Um, yeah. O- often, you know, in those, in those early days when you first start out, you've got no route to get in the ticket because you haven't got any caps or anything like that so you you're on the scrounge or 
going outside the ground, trying to find someone who's got a spare ticket to sell and, and stuff like that, you know, gradually build up to where I'm at now, where I'm sort of in the top five, six hundred. So other than the smallest of the games, I'm always guaranteed a ticket now, which is exciting. Yeah, because uh, it's not just sort of the the scrounging for tickets, I guess, back then. It was the fact that there was there was no internet. It it was actually you had to physically work for for getting to places. It wasn't a case of just sitting on your phone or on your on your laptop and and clicking a button. It was hard graft back then. Uh, absolutely, I, I remember the first time I really went away properly was uh, was for France '98, and all we had booked were flights to get out there. And we, we did everything we could to try and get tickets when, when we when we got there. But we, we didn't have any luck. So we actually ended up going to some other games that we've, we've been able to buy tickets in the UK for. Mm. Um, so the, that game when England played Argentina and um, unfortunately the cursed penalties came into play again. Had to, had to watch it in a bar full of French people who um, they weren't supporting Argentina. They, they were supporting not England. <laughs> right, I see. Uh, yeah, it was quite good though because in the end, I, I remember that day. You know when it all happened that we we were knocked out. I was sort of slumped down, not believing that Batty's not not been able to score the penalty. Well, actually, not believing Batty was even taking a penalty to be honest. But then I thought, no, I'm not going to have this. All these French people celebrating, so I just got up and walked over to a few at the bar and started shaking their hands and just said, you know, well done in order to hopefully quieten them down a bit. Yeah. And it turned out one of the guys at the bar was actually a bar owner and he shook my hand and he said, you know what, that, well, in loose French, you know, that was good sportsmanship. You can have free drinks all night, you and your friends. So um, we, we ended up celebrating England losing, which is a bit ironic. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I, it was so painful going out that game. Oh, yeah, I, I do remember it. I mean, we've all got these anecdotes about following England, be it be it good or bad, but you've actually you've put pen to paper, haven't you? Yeah, so it's, um, it's a fully true story, apart from, what is there, there's about 370-odd pages, 110,000 words, and it's, it's a fully true story, apart from there's, there is two paragraphs in there where I go off on a little bit of a daydream of, of what it really could be like if we finally won something. Um, but yeah, the rest of it is all kind of links it through. It goes in chronological order, but through tournaments from, as I say, France 98, all the way through to 2010 in South Africa. I've written it all down. Originally, the first draft was all done uh, typing into my notes section on my iPhone. Um, oh, really? Daily commute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the end, I had to turn off autocorrect because... The, the way it was corrected, my spelling was e- even worse than my original spelling. So um, it took rather a long time to um, edit it in the end. But the, the great thing about writing that way is as and whenever you feel, you know, an idea comes to mind or, or, or a story, you can just capture it there and then, you know, you don't have yeah. to have your laptop with you or anything. So um, I've, I've written stuff while sat on the beach on holiday with the kids or waking up at three o'clock in the morning and... Mm-hmm. You start typing away in bed. Yeah, but there's there's another book in, in the offing as well, which carries on from 2010, you know, through to modern times. So, uh, yeah, but it's, it's a, it's a labour of love, my friend. Oh, great stuff. I mean, I mean, in the past, many books have been written about following England abroad or, or England in general that kind of concentrate on the sort of the hooligan element that, that thankfully doesn't exist so much now. Yeah. 
from what I can gather, the, this isn't, there's, there's no violence. This isn't a violent England book, is it? Yeah, this, this has nothing to do with that, mate. To be, to be honest, within it, I'd sort of tell people pretty early on, you know, take any of your misconceptions you may have from what you've seen in the newspapers or what they try to report and, you know, just throw them all out the window. This is what it's about being a, you know, a proper England fan who loves his country, has a good group of mates and just goes off to see the world and hopefully one day come back with a, with a trophy. And it's all the fun stuff that goes on on the way, mate, you know, where there are mishaps and, you know, things that go wrong, losing tickets and ending up in the wrong um, city at the wrong time and having <laughs> to get transport to somewhere else and all things like that. But yeah, it's, it's the fun side of it. It's, it's what I think 90%, maybe more, of, of the fans that go away with England are all about, you know. Um, now I travel with a group of about 25, 30 of us and, you know, we go all over the world. Everyone's in England fans. You know, we, we know some of the, the people, you know, see them face to face. They, they recognise you and you're all saying hello and chatting and when you go to pick up your tickets and everything. Yeah. And this is just the, the fun side. There is actually quite a few stories um, that it do involve the police, but it's all for fun things. Like there was one time when we were in South Africa, we actually we were driving to a game and we, we got stopped by the police for speeding. Right. And um, the officer had um, a new colleague in his car and he was trying to show off to her. So he made us follow him down to the station to pay a fine, which of course made us late for the game. Mm. And um, my, my mate Mark went in to pay the fine. And the next thing I know, um, I see uh, this police officer come running out of the station, followed by my, my mate Mark, who jumps into our car. And I was sort of like, what the heck's going on here, mate? And he said, oh, the desk sergeant's a football fan. He's just given a right bollock into the officer for bringing us down here. And he's making us take us back to the ground. So we uh, got led away with blue flashing lights and we had an escort back onto the motorway to be able to get to the matching time. Oh, great stuff. What what game was that? Tell me it wasn't the uh, England-Algeria. Um, it was actually to do with the England-Algeria game. What happened is we, we'd booked our flights to go into uh, Joburg before they'd done the actual draw. Mm. And when we uh, got out there, um, unfortunately, we were in Johannesburg and England were in Cape Town. We had no way to get to Cape Town in time. So w what we did is uh, we had tickets to then go to another game that was in Durban the following day between Japan and Holland. Right. What we did is uh, we drove halfway down to Durban and stayed at a place called Spion Cop, which right. is um, where the home end of a lot of um, teams is is named after so like Leeds, Liverpool, Chef Wed, even the new cop at um, White Hart Lane. They're they're all named after this place called Spion Cop in South Africa, and uh, we, we stayed there for the night. And then the next day we drove on to the Durban game, and that that's where the officer um, tried to find us and and ended up getting told off himself by his own um, <laughs> his own police sergeant. So that was quite funny. Oh, but if great. anyone ever goes to um, South Africa. I so recommend going to Spion Cop. It's amazing because um, there's a place to stay there called the Spion Cop Lodge, and you, you can go up on the top of the hill the next day. The hill is actually where the most people have ever died in a battle um, in a square mile within a day. 
was there when um, the, the, the British got attacked by the Boers. Right. Uh, and there's some great stories there. P- people that were on the battlefield that day included people like Winston Churchill and Gandhi. So we so nearly lost those sort of two great leaders in that battle. Wow. Um, but while we were there, um, the guy who owns the lodge is a guy called Raymond. He sat with us and watched the England-Algeria game. We, we were wondering, why, is, why does this guy from Africa watch us play? And it, it turned out the reason he wanted to watch was because the next day, he was going up to Rustenburg um, to meet the England team after they returned from Cape Town to then give them a motivational talk on um, the, the involvement of the British in Africa. So uh, amazing coincidence to, to be sat there having, having a guy tell us all about you know, what he was going to do the next day and saying to us, can you point out some of the players on the pitch and tell me what their names are so I, so I look like I know them? <laughs> Oh, it's great. I mean, and this is the thing with following England away. It's, it's not always, as you said at the very beginning, it's not always about the football. It's it's seeing these other places. It's meeting and, and greeting people of different cultures and from different areas. Um, it, it really is a, a great way of just seeing the world following England. Oh, yeah. And you, you, I think the other thing, Russell, is you end up with mates all over the world, you know. So I now know people from, you know, that live out in Australia. Um, the, the people we stayed with in South Africa are now personal friends. You know, I know Swedish guys from when we played them out in Ukraine. We were all drinking together, exchanged emails and still stay in touch now. And it's, I think the, the, the beautiful thing is if you're, you know, when you're a proper football fan, you know, you like to meet these other people and you, you've got so much in common. You know, your only difference is you happen to support a different team. Yeah. Everything else about you is is so similar. You know, within the book, there's various things I talk about where, you know, we, we've ended up going to visit grounds just to have a look at them on the way to a match. And you end up talking to the groundsman or something who invites you in and tells you a story, you know, shows you around the ground. And, you know, it's amazing to see behind the scenes like that. Because the second you realise you've got this love of football in common, you know, suddenly you, you've got a common language to talk about and share the passion and your stories and, and, and your love of the game, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally know what you mean. So how did it come about, the book? Right, so I was... The, the group I now hang around with, there's, as I say, 25, maybe 30 of us. And, uh, you know, we often meet up in the pub, you know, before games, we're having a few beers or... Um, we, we were actually out in Malta all together, you know, before the game where we played out there and we all turned it into sort of a week's holiday. And my girlfriend Lorna came along as well and she was hearing us tell all of these stories and everything. And she's like, you know what, Glenn, you, you really should write these all down, you know, so you never forget. Them. So probably about two and a half years ago, I started scribbling them down and I scribbled down a few more from when we were in Malta and everything. And in the end, I sort of thought, well, well, actually, this kind of creates its own story, you know, um, true story as well. And um, so I, I put it all together into this this book. It's turned into two, if not three or four books um, will come out in the end. Um, yeah, I guess it's it's all down to um, my girlfriend. She's she's stolen hundreds of hours of my life now in <laughs> writing and editing this. Thanks to her, I guess. Maybe it was her way to stop me talking about things. I make <laughs> down, I guess. 
<laughs> now, I also read that you, uh, if if people don't know who you are, they may have seen you or they may have seen a costume that you've worn at various games. Thank you. I didn't think you'd mention that one. A certain uh, superhero. Yeah. When when we when were playing out in Ukraine in 2012, um, one, one of my mates turned up from a stag dude, like Howard, and um, he had a couple of costumes with him. He said, look at what was being worn at the stag dude. And one was Fred Flintstone and one was Superman. And um, so we decided to wear the costumes to the games out in Ukraine. Um, and we subsequently have worn them out in um, Brazil as well and, and in France uh, in, in 2018. Yeah, it's, it's all good fun. I, I think in, in Ukraine, we ended up in probably a thousand different photographs. <laughs> and the, the, the crazy thing is the suits actually made of rubber in places. And so although I was drinking and eating rather a lot on the trip, I ended up coming home having lost a stone in weight from, my, I think, all of the, the heat and the sweating that I was doing out there. Oh, lovely. <laughs> lovely, yeah, enduring that, image. <laughs> yeah, it has been washed since, I hasten to. All oh, right. <laughs> now, I mean, the, the book is called About the Game, The Lot. And The Lot refers to a uh, to a flag that you used to take. Is that right? It does, yeah. So the, there's kind of two parts to the, the naming of it. The reason it's called About the Game is that it's not one of these books that lists down all of the facts and tells you blow by blow what happened in the match. It tells you it's what goes on about the game, not on the game. So it's it's the travelling, it's the fun, it's the camaraderie, um, it's getting to the game, it's getting the tickets, how you get in, all the things that go wrong. Um, so that's why about the game. But the reason it's called the lot is because um, out in France 98, we came up with an idea that we wanted to have a flag ourselves and uh, we were trying to work out what what to put on that flag because it was between a group of us and we all supported multiple teams and um, so we had to come up with something that was not necessarily linked to any one club. While we were out there we met some Croatian fans who were giving us free beers and cigarettes and stuff chatting and um, they patted one of my mates Joe on his stomach just said the words lot beers which of course we we thought was a wonderful way for telling him he had a bit of a tubby tummy we decided that's what we put on the flag and so our flag had the word lot beers written across the middle and hence that's where the word the lot comes from because we we just use the word lot to refer to it um i I won't say what happened to the flag in the end because that that's part of the book and and um so you need to read more to find out but uh, yeah that's where it comes from so it links into what goes on around the games and it links into us taking our flag to many of them and you know flying it all over the world really gotcha i see well well the book let's let's see where where can it be bought if if we want to find out about that flag and, and various other of your adventures yeah it's it's self-published so there's there's nobody behind it other than little old me and so therefore the the only place you can get it is on amazon yeah. Um, but if you type in my name, which is Glyn Davis, um, it's, make sure you spell it correctly, otherwise a very different book comes up. Oh, that's, right. That's spelled G-L-Y-N-N and then Davis, D-A-V-I-E-S. And, and as you mentioned earlier, the, the title is About the Game, The Lot. Um, it's, it's a bright red cover um, and it's got a picture of, uh, it was actually taken in the uh, Nuremberg Stadium for the England versus Trinidad game back in 2006. Yep. 
it's of you know all of the England fans there and flags on display and you know everyone who's ever been to our games like that knows exactly what that scene looks like Mm. um but it captures all of that and then the back cover's got um some nice little blurb about you know what what it's all about and the fact that it's a you know true story adventure um and it's about you know all of the sort of fun and fears tears and laughter mishaps catastrophes and stuff um, but there's also some stories in there about things like Russian escorts, carjackings, um, the army tank that turned up outside our Moscow hotel, um, some lucky steak pies. As, as we all know, we all have um, good luck things that we do. So there's yeah. a little bit of a story on that kind of thing. But it, it, it's all about the fun of following the beautiful game. It's predominantly England, but it does mention um, a few other matches along the way and everything, mate. So. Um, but really, it's the fans are the stars, not not the players or the teams. It's actually the fans and what we all get up to and the laugh that we have. Mate. Great stuff. Well, I am. Uh, I'll put a link to it uh, via our social media channels on Twitter and, and Facebook as well. If people want to contact you. What's what's the best way to do it if you're open to that? Yeah, you can put my email address, glynhdavies at gmail Okay, great stuff. Glenn, thank you very much for your time. I wish you all the very best with the book and maybe we can uh, maybe we can catch up in Prague. Yeah, no, that'd be good. Yeah, I'll be out in Prague. That'd be awesome. Take care. Bye, mate. There we have it. Thank you for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks to Glyn for his time. Now, something special for you. Glyn has kindly offered a copy of his book that we've just been speaking about as a prize for one lucky listener. Could be you. If you head to our Twitter page, at Three Lions Podcast, and simply follow and retweet the relevant tweet, you'll be in with a chance of winning a copy, which Glyn will personally sign. So many thanks to Glyn for that gesture, and hopefully it'll be you. It gets your hands on it. As always, please do subscribe at your podcast provider. Tell all your friends. And you can find us, as I mentioned, on Twitter at Three Lions Podcast. We're also on Facebook and the website is threelionspodcast.com. I'll be back again with you soon. I'm planning to head to Belgium for the Lionesses' first game since the World Cup. So I'll tell you all about that. Until then, cheers. Cheers.